After these messages, we'll be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey, everybody. Welcome to After These Messages. This is the podcast where we talk about commercials. We talk about good ones. We talk about bad ones. And we talk about ones where people say weird shit like this. Hashtag not cool. Hashtag remedial reading. Hashtag, oh, look, there goes your GPA. My name is Andrew Walsh. I'm here with Genevieve Has. Hey, Vives. Hi, Andrew. Uh, Coming up today, commercials based on literature. Yes. Uh, We took two things people really love. Old books <laughs> and TV commercials, and we smashed them together into one delicious podcast. Yeah. So yeah, I think I kind of we were brainstorming, and I was like, I don't know, like <laughs> apropos of literally nothing. Yeah. I was like, is there something about literature in commercials? <laughs> I took it as a challenge, and then and I opened up some. the show sheet today, and you had put like twelve of them in here. Yeah, they're I was out very there. Impressed. Yeah, there's no there's no form of media that has not been in some sense uh, commoditized. So uh, so we found some. All right. So we'll go through those. And then uh, related to that, I put together a little quiz for you. I'm calling it the right way to advertise. Right. Did you hear what I did with my voice? That right is W-R-I-T-E. Yeah. I found a bunch of... I think people heard it. <laughs> I found a bunch of commercials that have famous writers in them. Ooh. And I built a quiz all around that. So I have six sizzling Uh-oh. questions for you. This is going to be okay. embarrassing for me because... Uh, normally in this relationship, I get to hold myself out as the more literary of the two of us. Um, but that's, I'm sort of, you know, the saying in the Valley of the Blind, the one-eyed man is king. Uh, well, I am that one-eyed man, um, but it may be, re- my my cyclopsiness may be revealed to you today. First of all, I like that you're using a um, quote. Is that a biblical quote? Is that a literary quote? What is it's that from? It's not from the Bible, dude. What's it it's, from? I think it's just an aphorism. Um, uh, secondly, what, trust me, this what is... Part of the Bible, do you think? That? I don't know, the end where they have the dragons the and everything. <laughs> with the seven-headed everythings, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, And the Lord me. spake, <laughs> and he saith unto... He said unto Job... In the Valley of the Blind, the one-eyed man is king. Oh, here's what I meant when I said, is it from the Bible? It sounds like something Jules would say in Pulp Fiction. (laughs) And that's like the Bible. (laughs) That's how I learned about the Bible. Um, Anyway, trust me, this quiz will not in any, as all of our quizzes, this one will not reflect any level of intellect (laughs) or learning at all. Trust me. All right. Um, Plus, we are still looking for a good slogan slash tagline for our show. We're too lazy to come up with uh, one ourselves, so we created a contest. And uh, we'd been playing some here and there on the show, but I, I felt like they were... They were, some were slipping through the cracks. I wasn't playing all of them. So I went through today. I collected all of them. I have notes. And so I want to kind of review the eligible ones we've listened to so far that are still in play and yeah. maybe play a couple new ones for you as Sounds well. Sounds good. Yeah. And then maybe we can um, sunset this contest in the near future. I'm fine with this contest going on forever. Forever. It's kind of fun. The, all the submissions are getting better and better. And we're getting more and more of them the more we kind of talk about it and say, well, that one doesn't work. And then people are building on the other one. So right. I'm actually more bullish on it now than I have been okay. since the beginning. Um, before we get started, though, uh, do, is there any chance we actually have new listeners today? There is a slim chance that we have some new listeners. If you are a listener of the Greatest Gen podcast, uh, friends friends of DeSoto, as we call ourselves, 
themselves, um, then welcome. Uh, Andrew and I placed a uh, what they call a P1, which is just a, like a sponsored ad on the show, uh, and it played in the most recent episode today. So, or I guess it posted yesterday. Um, so, uh, if we have new listeners, uh, thank you to Ben and Adam who gave a great promotion for our show, and um, we hope to have them on very soon. Um, Adam actually said on the show that he was hurt that we hadn't invited him because he lives just down the road from us. I was honestly like, I did not think that we were good enough for us to invite Adam. So I was just trying to protect my heart. Um, well, Ben's been on a bunch. Ben's been on a couple so times. So our listeners uh, know Ben. Um, and we'll have them both on. Yeah, he can. Yeah. we can get Ben on remotely from L.A. And Adam is right down the street. He can swing by any time. And if you're looking for the episode that Ben was on most recently, if you're a new listener, um, he was on episode 109. The title is uh, Time Travel or Time Machine 1997. Uh, just go back through our... Uh, you know, however you get podcasts, presumably you know how to go back through the archive. It would be episode 109. 109. All right. Well, right now we are on episode 174. Let's get into some of this adlet. Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. Boy, nice Star Trek tie-in. Well, oh, yeah. Right. Jordy. Jordy. Jordy LaForge. Why? I never paid attention to the lyrics before. Why does it have to be a competition with the butterfly? Why does everything have to be a competition with this woman? I don't know. I can go twice as high? I I don't know. I mean, she just she has mental problems. <laughs> she has emotional problems. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. I'm sure there are no copyright issues with us using that. Um, okay, so to kick things off, again, you found almost all of these things, and you started off with some Shakespeare. Yes, I started with Shakespeare because I thought that's got there's got to be something. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, in, in a medium that repurposes all kinds of stuff all the time, uh, what could be more uh, accessible and repurposable than some of the like. Uh, some of the hits, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, your Romeos and Juliets. Your Romeos, your Hamlets, your, Juliets, sure. your, uh, your Caesars, you know, right. your Cleopatras. So um, this first ad is actually an ad that I, I is running right now, and I recognized it pretty much right away. This is an ad for um, Quicken Loans, a rocket mortgage, which is uh, Keegan-Michael Key, who you probably know from Key and & Peele and um, lots of other cool stuff. Uh, is their spokesman these days. And his shtick is he explains complicated things to people um, because mortgages are complicated and Quicken can explain complicated Mm -hmm. mortgage talk to you. So it usually opens with one scene uh, that's somebody talking about something that's kind of complicated or or they're using their own jargon. He translates it um, and then he cuts to, then they translate like to mortgage talk. You say translate. That's funny. The very, I, I think a lot of people's introduction to Key and Peel. I know mine, like one of their biggest kind of hits that brought people in was the anger translator where he played the anger translator for uh, yeah, Jordan, and he, Jordan Peel. He was the anger translator for President Obama. Exactly. For, yeah. For Peel's, uh, for Peel's Obama, he was Luther the anger translator. <laughs> well, for this one, and I think you already set it up, but just to be clear, because it does smash from one scene into the other pretty quickly and kind of 
of abruptly. So it starts off in a theater. This woman is watching. Uh, did you already say what is the? What it's is Romeo it? and Juliet. It's Romeo and Juliet. And he sneaks up behind her with some popcorn and explains what's happening on the stage to her. And then you'll notice a huge cut. And then he is in somebody's kitchen, not hers, right? Oh no, it's just a house that's being shown by a realtor. Okay, right, right, right. But is she? I think also it's a the different. One okay, it's just no, totally it's different. different. Okay, so it just sets up the idea that he's the translator. So let's take a listen. Deny thy father and refuse thy name, or if thou wilt not be, but sworn my love, and I'll. So she's telling Romeo to ditch his parents, and that she'll be his boo forever. <laughs> <laughs> there are multiples on the table. Now one we're in is the house. Cash. Three are FHA. One is VA. So what can you do? She's saying a whole lot of people want to buy this house, but you got this. <laughs> Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans makes the complex... I, I just find him so appealing. Appealing. <laughs> I didn't even mean to say that. Also, his name isn't Peel. Um, no. And yet I, you I, refuse to watch Friends from College. I was going to say, didn't you want to give a shout out for that? Like, it's, you're obsessed with that show. I've seen bits and pieces. It's I really love it. funny. Yeah, yeah the, especially the first season is terrific. Um, he's he uh, he stars in that. I think he's one of the creators too. Yeah. Anyway, I do think that that campaign works. They've stuck with it. They've branched out, and because you know they put him in all different kinds of situations, but like it hasn't. They haven't gotten real loosey goosey with the rules of this world. Like Captain Obvious has nothing to do with being obvious anymore. Oh my just, gosh! Just like it's just Captain, Captain Absurd. Random absurdity. Whereas this is a good concept. They've stuck with it, and he's a good guy to do to be the translator. Yeah. Which ones? There's the one where he explains Shakespeare. Uh, there's the one where he explains uh, a, a haircut that's being described to a woman by a very like she she hair hair guy, and uh, he explains what the hair guy is telling her. Um, there's one other one I think that I'm blanking on. Isn't there one that's a montage as well where he kind of rattles through a whole bunch? Yeah, I think that I, sounds right. I think right. so. That's why I can't think of any specific examples. Also, just because my brain is bad. Um, okay, so you have another one here. This is Hamlet. This is. <laughs> So bad. Are you kidding me? I love this commercial. I mean, it's it's hilariously bad. No, no, I think it's really good. I think it's okay. <laughs> really? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I had never seen it before today. I just saw that you put it in the rundown. <laughs> you set it up. This is from like uh, 1993. This is from 1993 for the Plymouth Laser, which is the I didn't even know that was a car. It is a real laser, like POS. I mean, it is not an attractive car. Uh, maybe in 1993, this is what passed for a good-looking car. It is just a... It's the car. It's the physical car on a stage talking, but it's not like... Anim, it's not animated in any way. You know, it's just sitting on the stage kind of like... I think it sort of like turns and faces the audience at certain points, but the car's just sitting there. It's it's headlights flash it's, when it talks. Oh, excuse me. Like, I guess like, is that Kit? Is that how Kit talks by flashing the no, lights? No, I don't think that's how Kit talks. Oh, Kit has the, uh, like, there's a light bar that somehow, like, <laughs> yeah, something <laughs> like that. I don't know. I didn't watch a lot of Knight Rider. Anyway, this lacks even the special effects and verisimilitude of Knight Rider. Uh, this is just a car flashing its lights on a stage and driving around back and forth while it's delivering, delivering a soliloquy the soliloquy from the famous soliloquy from Hamlet oh my god just take a listen to this to be or not to be here comes the car that is the question remember the car is, is talking nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them and it's Boy, on a stage a that's like set up to look sort of vaguely 
like Denmark, right? There's like candles and yeah. candelabra and there's like a snowy background. It's appropriate setting. It's appropriate lighting. It, what do you like about wait, this? Wait, because we haven't heard the whole commercial. Oh, so, okay, so it's, so it's delivering the, the, the soliloquy. Right, performing it. End them. Before you buy a car, you should see how well it performs. How well it performs. Yeah. How my biggest car and driver, road and track. It even gets in a little brag about his good write-ups. That's like a pre-JD Power associate brag there. Oh, my God. Uh, This looks like something Tim and Eric would make. The reason I like it is because it's funny, and it's supposed to be funny. It's a joke. And I am so sick of car commercials. Yeah. It's always just cars driving on winding roads. Or it's goddamn Matthew McConaughey saying some dumb bullshit to a water bison. Is that a thing? Water buffalo. There's a water buffalo. Okay, um, <laughs> it's I, like what I like is this is just a funny commercial that is supposed to be funny and legitimate, legitimately makes me laugh, and it would stick in my head. Like all the other car commercials blur together for me. It is memorable in that way. It's just so it feels so chintzy. Mm-hmm. You know the way I think it's that's made. What I kind of like about it though. Yeah, it's definitely unlike most car commercials. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it would be laughed out of the room if someone proposed it today. It feels so, um, like, it just feels like there's, uh, like, it feels unsophisticated to me. It It is. Yeah, and I think that would never fly today. Yeah, it's not like ball bearings going down the sexy body of a car. Well, that's a really contours. old ad. That that's ad really old, too. predates this um, ad. And, you know, obviously that it is good and iconic Show for me, a reason as well. I mean, well, the, but it's just the like, ball bearing ad, like, yeah, that's iconic. Yeah, no, it, it is. But I'm just saying it's not. It's just, I don't know. I like the toot of this commercial, frankly. I think you like the toot of this car. I might like the toot. Well, the car isn't really for me. But anyway. <laughs> All right, let's move on. So there was a whole campaign um, for Levi's that lasted five years. As far as I can tell, this lasted for the entire relationship of Wyden and Kennedy when they were doing work for Levi's. Yeah. I think they came up with this idea. They were partners for five years, and then Levi's let them go in 2013. This ran from 2009 to 2013, and it was called the Go Forth Campaign. And I'm reading here from um, – I can't remember. I mean, let's just say ad age. Sure. It's probably that or ad week. Probably. <laughs> Um, it's a real safe bet that it's one of the two. Yeah, the Levi's Go Forth campaign introduced a message of optimism to a to the U.S. and the wider world going through tough times. Keep in mind, 2009, right? We're, we're um, hitting that uh, Great Recession. The campaign featured photography from Ryan McGinley. And I would say it's a sort of a, 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 gr- a kind of a gritty style photography. You see a lot of it's Levi's. So it's kind of. It sticks with the kind of young people. It's got like kind of a gritty sexiness to it. It tends to, these commercials tend to be filled with a lot of fast paced images of young people being sexy and in various states of disrobing in the wild, sort of. Yeah. Um, And the first two uh, commercials were both based on um, Walt Whitman poems. And matter of fact, they're really, really early recordings of Walt Whitman reading his own poems at least the first one is i'm not convinced i'm not sure about the second one this first one though is i verified it and um it was called let's see this first one is called uh, america go forth that's the name of the commercial and the name of the poem is 
America. And this one it was directed by, how do you say his name? I think it's Fukunaga. Carrie Fukunaga. Fukunaga, the true detective guy. He did Maniac, yeah. which we love. Which if you haven't checked out Maniac and you have Netflix, please stop listening and go watch Maniac. Well, finish listening and go watch Maniac. But, you know, somebody who's like, first of all, really made a name for himself and also just really has a style, a recognizable style. So it's cool that this first commercial in the campaign is traced back to him. So um, the the audio on this, as you might guess, because it's from the late 1800s, is a little bit rough, but that's why it speaks to me. I love archival audio so much. It should be noted that the very first shot is of a big, like, it looks like it might have been a neon sign that says America, but it's, like, broken on the ground and kind of, like, it's slipping into in, in water. Yeah. yeah. So, again, it's definitely speaking to that 2009, like, where are we as a country a right now? A certain amount of sort of despair, yeah, weirdly. It starts off kind of showing the brokenness, I think. And then this is a 60-second commercial. America. Center of equal daughters, equal sons, all, all alike and good. This is a tough listen because the audio is so old, so they have subtitled it in the commercial. Yeah, and I'll just, since it doesn't really work to play the full minute, I'll, I'll read the poem to you. I won't do it in like a beat poet style. I know you probably want me to, but I'll just read it straightforward, unless you would like to, Vives. No, why don't you just uh, try to give it a good straight read here. So this is America by Walt Whitman. Center of equal daughters, equal sons, all alike, endeared, grown, ungrown, young or old, strong, ample, fair, enduring, capable, rich, course as this poem is being read in the commercial we're seeing various imagery that kind of nods to this in little ways but doesn't you know slam me over the head with it perennial with the earth with freedom law and love a grand sane towering seated mother chaired in the adamant of time i know most of those words yeah so that's something like a right huge that, percentage. That, that i know like a i know more than 50 percent of those words um it's such a um it's kind of sad to read that poem right now, I think, for me. like, Yeah, you thought 2009 was the dark ages. Well, yeah. I mean, it's America's a tough place to love today, I think, yeah. for many of us. And um, we're trying. Uh, we're trying to, you know, see in this country what, uh, what Whitman saw, this center of equal daughters, equal sons. Uh, and it's, it's, tr- it's tricky right now. It is. Let's play this next one. This is another um, Walt Whitman poem. This one is called uh, Pioneers, O Pioneers. And I don't know if this is him because the recording it's very, sounds the recording's so very clear, clear, which makes me think this wasn't recorded in the 1800s. It's hard to imagine that this was recorded in the 1800s. If so, it's it's got to be some sort of record-setting good recording. Yeah. Okay, so I think this was maybe the second ad in the campaign, although keep in mind there was also, like, this was a campaign. Like, there were all kinds of, you know, billboard signs. I was really going down it today with, like, famous photographers. I mentioned uh, the, the the key photographer earlier. I can't remember his name. Um Everything really held together with the imagery of this campaign. Yeah, they're and, beautiful uh, ads. We'll, they we'll really of course are. post them to the Facebook group um, and go check them out if you haven't, if you don't remember seeing these in the wild. And this one is called "O Pioneers." Pioneers, O Pioneers, come, my tan-faced children, follow well in order. Get your weapons ready. 
Have you your pistols? Have you your sharp-edged axes, pioneers, oh pioneers? For we cannot tarry here. We must march, my darlings. We must bear the brunt of danger. We, the youthful, sinewy races, all the rest on us depend. Pioneers, oh pioneers. Oh, you youths, western youths, so impatient, full of action, full of manly pride and friendship. Plain I see you, western youths, see you tramping with the foremost. Pioneers, oh pioneers. We debouch upon a newer, mightier world, varied world. Fresh and strong the world we seize. Pioneers, oh pioneers. I wonder about the use of that poem because that poem is all about westward expansion mm-hmm. and it's pretty um, sort of uncompromising in its language of conquest and um, I think sort of almost divine right that uh, you know really uh, inhabited the the, the westward expansion mm-hmm. uh, of this country and I think there's a I mean I think today that would be a more complicated story um, that wouldn't you might not just like uncritically celebrate the uh, the pioneers, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, what I'm not arguing with you. You're absolutely right. And you're just smarter than me. But, um, you know, obviously what they're trying to do, though, is I can uh, uh, adapt it towards this idea of the youth are the pioneers. It's a different kind of. Yeah, I understand forth. that that Levi's is, yeah. is adopting it or or, you know, looking at it not in a geographical way yeah. but the fact of that poem is that it is about the literal westward expansion mm-hmm. which um you know was not a totally pure legacy in a lot of ways well how about this for choosing things this next poem so the, these really focused on america as a matter of fact that was one thing that i wanted to mention to you um they even like kind of in 2010 here i'm again reading from ad age uh in 2010 levi's continued the go forth message with its campaign centered on the financially strapped town of braddock pennsylvania uh wyden and kennedy worked with the director uh john hillcoat who directed the road by the way the cormac mccarthy the cormac mccarthy movie more literary references yeah uh, to document the town's struggles as part of the campaigns levi's donated more than a million dollars to help rebuild the community so this is one of those things that they tied it into kind of a uh, kind of a, a social campaign as well um i wonder how braddock's doing today yeah i don't know um, so anyway, that's 2010. The a lot of MAGA hats. Uh, about a year uh, into the campaign at that point. Later on, I think it's about 2011, 12, they decide that they're not going to focus on America anymore. They make it an international campaign. And this next one has a bunch of images from Berlin. And uh, Walt Whitman is not the poet in this one, but Charles Bukowski. You want to talk about a questionable choice. <laughs> I mean, this poem is a very, very... Um, unusually uplifting poem by Bukowski. I mean, if you know anything about Bukowski, it's, it's hard so, to find. So it's the one. It's the one yeah. that I didn't even know existed. And I'm, I've, I'm not proud to say this, but you know, like a lot of, like a lot of white 19 year olds, I went through my um, heavy Bukowski face and I know what his voice sounds like. And this sounds like it's somebody who's, you know, purposely kind of Bukowski-esque, but I do not think this is him. It's way too enunciated, first of all. I don't think Bukowski was ever sober enough to sound this, you know, to enunciate this much. Uh, But it's interesting. Like, I wouldn't... You know, somebody... Because I did used to love Bukowski. Somebody got me, like, a little... It was a cool little piece of art that was, like, Bukowski's head and Charlie Brown's body that really kind of 
does in many ways speak to maybe some of my outlook on the world. But like I, I hung it in my office for a little bit, but then I was like, no, you know what? Like people come in here. Women come in here. Yeah. This guy's an abuser. He was also abused, but he was, a, you know, he bragged about abusing women. Like, yeah. it's weird to use Bukowski, Bukowski's words in your advertising campaign. Yeah, another thing that I think um, might be different. I don't know when this ad came out, but it was... Uh, probably at least 10 years ago. This particular one? Yeah. Yeah, I think this was, uh, the campaign only went until 2013. And yeah. I want to say this one came in around 2012 or something. So let's take no, a so listen to it. not quite 10. But. Um, this is, uh, the poem is called The Laughing Heart by Charles Bukowski. And again, this one is shot in Germany, I believe. Your life is your life. Don't let it be clubbed into dank submission. Beyond the watch. There are ways out. There is light somewhere. It may not be much light, but it beats the darkness. Beyond the watch. The gods will offer you chances. Know them. Take them. You can't beat death, but you can beat death in life sometimes. And the more often you learn to do it, the more light there will be. Your life is your life. Know it while you have it. You are marvelous. The gods wait to delight in you. You lose a lot of it by not seeing the imagery, but, um, and again, I have complicated feelings about Yeah, but it's a really good ad. But goddamn, I mean, Levi's ability, and in this case, WK's ability to... um, capture and celebrate youth yeah and to dial into a feeling that of authenticity and um excitement uh and a sort of a thrilling possibility they really uh do such a good job and i think that um although as i i said i think there are some potentially some challenges with the material that they use in those poems that you might not go for today i actually do feel that there's a through line um, emotionally between these ads and the ones that and the one that I currently love mm-hmm. that circles ad yes. where it's uh, you know we, I've, I've played it many times on this show and it's just you all you hear is the song which is terrific but it's a great it's great footage too of just a bunch of people dancing yeah and, and it's, it's it, people dancing in circles but it, again it celebrates that idea of like a slightly a dangerous and sexy youth but the sexiness isn't um, is never presented as like slick. Mm-hmm. It's always like there's always an authentic edge to it that I think Levi's does like nobody else. There's something sweaty about their commercials. There's something in, sweaty in about not, it. And not yeah. a gross way. Um, and it also that Circles commercial you're talking about, the one where the people are dancing, it seems um, almost like effortlessly... Um, inclusive yeah. uh, and it's not just it like captures the spirit of youth yet you see old people dancing yeah. as well like I don't know we're just Levi's I guess does we're it just, right. they, they really do I, I love their brand I looked up who had, who I, I wonder who their camp who is their who their I don't know what that now. ad got a ton of press so I'm yeah. sure it's out there I love my Levi's I own them uh, proudly and I love them as a brand yeah um, they really uh, and, and talk about an enduring brand I yeah. mean that's one that has in a in like one of the trendiest industries, which is denim, you know, I mean, you're all like cr- constantly. I'm being told like this is the new company that's disrupting denim, <laughs> right? Yeah, and like denims and, and jeans uh, are incredibly trend driven, and in the way that jeans are meant, you know, supposed to look. 
the way that you know people want them to look changes really pretty radically year to year um and through all of that levi's has i think stayed true to themselves in a really cool way yeah have you seen this quick aside everybody put your books down for a second um speaking of uh hashtag disruptors you know we've often made fun of the super earnest harry's is it harry's or dollar shave club ads i think it's harry's the two white bros who were talking about like we just had a vision to mm-hmm. sell razor blades that weren't so expensive when we yeah. found out like we Gillette decided is a monster yeah, but they don't even say they're just like we we just we just bought a factory in germany and but like, they i mean the whole thing is like it's they're talking about Gillette without saying Gillette, right? But what I'm focusing on here is so you just have like these these two Silicon Valley esque white guys looking at the camera, speaking overly earnestly yeah, about we this named company, it after yeah. Our dad. And and it's about like it, he, you know we're disrupting. We named it, like, it after our cancer why do we dad. Have to pay so much. Well, now there's a, another one. Like now there's two white bros who are trying to disrupt watches. Have you seen these commercials? Yeah, movement. Movement. Okay, yeah. And the, honestly, the watches look great. The watches great, look pretty But boss, the commercials actually. are exactly the same. Yeah. They're two guys sitting in chairs. Watches talking cost to camera, too much. Like, it's a travesty. We love watches, but then we were like, <laughs> they're too expensive. The markup on this. So we bought a factory in Germany. I think they bought a factory in Germany. <laughs> That's the new way to disrupt any yeah. industry. If you want to disrupt an industry, go see what factories in Germany are for sale and then disrupt that industry. You know what? And I'm I'm being... I'm disrupting brick making because there was a factory in Germany for sale. <laughs> I am being 100% honest when I say this. You know that I love podcasts. I listen to them all the time. But when you look up the markup on podcasts, you are paying so You're much paying money. so much because... That's why Genevieve and I <laughs> bought a podcast factory in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> to bring you after these messages. All right, let's talk about this next one. I wanted to go seamlessly from those very moving uh, very commercials serious. from Levi's to this Heineken commercial called Pride and Prejudice. Well, you at least agree with me with that this one is terrible. <laughs> so terrible. It, it doesn't even make any sense. I didn't even know what was going on. I'm like, oh, okay, Heineken has a Pride and Prejudice ad. And you see, um, I guess, uh, Elizabeth. Is, is it Elizabeth? Not, yeah, Elizabeth sitting at her drawing table writing a letter. Nope, she's playing piano. Oh, she is? Pretty sure. Oh, okay. Um, and Mr. Bentley is like no. writing... <laughs> Why don't you do this one? Elizabeth okay. Bennett yes. is sitting at her piano. Okay. This is not a Mad Libs. This is a thing that really happened. You Boogers. see, You see a, a man riding down a hill on a horse. He barrels through the window and introduces himself as Mr. Darcy. Darcy. That's what I meant. Um, and... He introduces himself to Elizabeth or says hello to her and then immediately levels a gun at her, a pistol, which is not part of Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) Right, but it's like a pistol of that Yeah, it's of that era. era. He immediately levels a pistol at her. And I mean, yes, those two have a combative relationship, but it is not a mortal combative relationship. It It starts off just like, okay, this is a scene from Pride and Prejudice. And then he pulls a gun. But right away, he pulls a gun. She says she maintains her like charming facade, but like then levels a gun at him. They start firing at each other, blowing up shit all over this drawing room. Then an old woman who I took to be either Mrs. Bennett or maybe his rich aunt it's unclear she's like a real character from pride and prejudice 
she also gets out a gun, and then the three of them take turns she firing out, like, at each other, shotgun. like a like a blunderbuss. Yeah, and then they take turns getting out bigger and bigger guns till at one point he's firing a missile from like an old timey cannon. He takes what looks like a telescope, right? Like a really old big telescope. He puts it on his shoulder and treats it like a bazooka, like by a the like end. an RPG. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so. It's bonkers. <laughs> it has almost and nothing to do with Pride and Prejudice, except that it's like Miss Elizabeth or, you know, Miss Bennett and Mr. Darcy. And it's like the setting of a, you know, of Jane Austen novel. But it is so weird. And then at the end, it's just like, drink Heineken. I think the point of it is that, you know, this is from, I don't know when this is from, but it's clearly an older ad. And I think it's playing on this idea that dudes don't want to watch period pieces is they don't want to watch the, Jane the Austen premise shit. this is like an action so movie so wouldn't it be a lot better if because at the end there's kind of a nod to it and I thought the guy even said something at the end like isn't that better or oh, something I could be wrong you're probably right I think part of why I didn't get it is that like I literally cannot conceive of someone not wanting to watch the real Pride. I'm with you and I have despite my uh, blundering into this commercial I've actually seen both versions yeah, with you the love movie Pride and, and the BBC and I've read the book at least once um, but uh, and so I like it as well this commercial is bonkers, though. From the makers of Lethal Rage 4 comes the most explosive. Oh, yeah, so Lethal oh, Rage okay. 4. Okay, I see. so it's like a fake it's like trailer a fake for trailer. a real manly I think thing. I might have had the sound turned off when I first watched it. <laughs> I also like the fact that this is taped off of somebody's VCR and we actually have tracking problems at one point. From <laughs> the makers of Lethal Rage 4 comes the most explosive film yet. And it says Pride and Prejudice. And here comes Mr. Darcy. Mr. Darcy, what an unexpected pleasure. The pleasure's all mine. Do you care for some tea? How very kind. She pulls out a big gun. Everything's blowing up. One block or two? Three, actually. Now the telescope is a grenade launcher. So the variant is how refreshing, how high. Okay, so it, thank you for at least explaining it to me that it's like if Pride and Prejudice were a fun action movie for dudes. I think that's the point. And all, and all people who like action movies instead of right, Pride and Prejudice. Right. Now you have another Jane Austen one here. This one I only scanned. This one's a little bit of a cheat because, as you know, when I when we think about these concepts, we're usually looking at like not selling the thing that we're talking about, but using the thing we're talking about to sell something else. This is a commercial for Audible. Uh, I think it's actually the Australia-based, an Australian commercial for an Australian audience. This is a it's a therapy session between a woman who is supposed to be Jane Austen um, and a potential reader, but they're acting like they're in a relationship and they are, you know, having some sort of uh, in some sort of conflict. And the therapist is helping them work through it. Jane, I've put so much into this. Truly, it's been a labor of love, but regrettably, I just can't keep his attention. It's not you. It's me. I'm busy and. To be honest, you can be a bit difficult. <laughs> Sometimes life gets in the way of a good book. Search for Jane Austen and over 200,000 audiobooks at audible.com.au. You know, the first 
Oops, sorry. Does she say something at the end here that is worth? Uh, yeah, saying? there's like a little tag. So she, at the she, very she end, she whispers to the guy who's trying to read her book. He's trying to read her book. At the very end, he puts on headphones, and now he's going to read her book or listen to her book via Audible, and then she whispers. Hundred thousand audio books at audible.com.au. Thank you for finally listening. Um. I didn't really pay attention to that one the first time I saw it. That's a good conceit. Yeah, I actually think I would love to cute. see a whole bunch of those with other authors. Yes. Yeah, I think so too. I would. Keep I would absolutely sign up for a yeah. for a. Um, and you wouldn't even have to keep the therapist. I I could see it being like other scenarios where an author is trying to get you to read their book and for whatever reason listening to it is the is the preferred solution. Yeah. But interactions yeah. between the author and the listener. I think would be great. Um, okay. We have a, a whole bunch here that were all directed by David Lynch. Yes. David Lynch has done a ton of ads, um, not just for Obsession by Calvin Klein, uh, which we're going to listen to here in a minute, um, but for all kinds of products. And I think we've actually talked about it. We did. I, I think we did a show of about auteurs mm-hmm. and like directors who are who have distinguished themselves as movie directors but you know also did commercial work and we might have even talked about some david lynch uh in that in that show this is specific to um to authors because david lynch did four commercials for obsession the famous um men's fragrance um and he picked quotes from pretty well four pretty well-known authors uh, and the, and some of their greatest works so he picked a a um a quote from The Great Gatsby uh, by F. Scott Fitzgerald, by Women in Love, by D.H. Lawrence, uh, The Sun Also Rises by Hemingway. And this one was tricky to find, but the uh, a quote from Madame Bovary, uh, who was, which was written by Gustave Flaubert. Okay, so which do you want to start with? Let's start with The Great Gatsby one. Okay. Um, and tell me if you can pick out oh. who, who the actors in this are. It's funny you say that because I watched this earlier and I thought I was like, both of these people look like famous people, but then at the end I decided that that was my mind playing tricks on me. But these are famous people? Yeah. J- David Lynch actually works with mostly famous actors in these because he they're mostly people who have appeared in other projects that he's done, including Twin Peaks. Okay. So um, maybe that's a hint. Let me watch this then. Because I did watch this earlier um, and, and thought they looked familiar, but you know I'm terrible at this. I'm better at you're, yeah, you're describing better voices. scenes from Austin. <laughs> uh, and and for those at home, who are those are playing at home, um, this is just your typical Calvin Klein commercials. Black and white, beautiful people. Caressing. Caressing, kissing, close-ups, close ups, lots of like gorgeous bodies and skin. He knew that when he kissed this girl, his mind would never romp again. The woman is the woman from. Um, she, she's, she's very famous. Yep. She is um, the roller skating girl from Boogie Nights. That's correct. What Heather is, Graham. Heather Graham. And Nobody she, knows her name. And she did appear in uh, some Twin Peaks, apparently, which I never. I didn't see. Maybe the third season or the last season. Oh, she did. Oh, I didn't. So know according that. to a crappy article I read, um, the man's going to be harder to place, but he is well known. He he's just a very familiar. he's a very young version of uh, of this man. Okay, I'm going to start it over for people who are actually trying to listen to the quotes. I guess he knew that when he kissed this girl, his mind would never romp again like the mind of God. So he waited, listening for a moment longer to the tuning fork that had been struck upon a star. Then he kissed her. At his lips touch, she blossomed for him like a flower, and the incarnation was complete. 
obsession, Calvin Klein. It's a, first of all, good idea for a campaign. I like that. Just like is these knowing that they're based on something makes me appreciate them more. I'll bet you I saw a bunch of these in yeah. the 90s or whatever and didn't know that they were famous quotes. And the actor, I know who it is. I can't think of his name. He Is he the guy who's in the beer commercial where he says, I'm not Antonio Banderas. He, I am. What's his name? Benicio, Benicio Del, Toro. Del Toro. I really like him. I but just have, good I eye. can't remember you his name. You get two dings because right. you got them both right. Nice. I'm, I'm bummed I couldn't remember either one of their names though. Um, okay, so we have four of these. Which is, can we hear the, I haven't seen the Sun Also Rises one. That would be the one I might, might recognize. I did love that book when I was younger. Yeah, go ahead and play that one. When I was reading all my Bukowski and Hemingway. Sorry, ladies, I'm taken. I lay awake thinking and my mind jumping around. And then I couldn't keep away from it. And I started to think about bread. Oh, he's actually in a, he's on like a World War One hospital bed here, isn't he? Is it's he supposed I think he's to be? Just, I mean, he's I just think on he's a supposed bed. to evoke that, Yeah, though. it's definitely evoking uh, the plot of Sun Also Rises. Oh, interesting. I think he's just I in a room somewhere. I lay awake thinking and my mind jumping around. And then I couldn't keep away from it. And I started to think about bread. I was thinking about bread and my mind started to go in sort of smooth waves. Then all of a sudden I started to cry. After a while it was better and I lay in bed and listened to the heavy trams go by. And I went to sleep. Obsession. And at the end a single tear rolls down the handsome man's face. After a ghost lady kisses him. After a ghost lady kisses him. That one is not as effective for me. It's like... No. For one thing, I'm... I I have not read The Sun Also Rises. I think I tried to and I just got bored. I think it's the it's my favorite of the Hemingways. Yep. Um <laughs> and that commercial just feels very like like a parody of a Calvin Klein ad. And they're all a little bit like that. I was going to make a joke. I was going to say, somebody should like do a send-up of these things. <laughs> there are so I many. I mean, they are self-parodying. They really are. Yeah. Um, um what is what's the one that was from back in the day in SNL? It was like the like the Nora uh, no like uh, Jane uh, shit. I'm I'm gonna totally not gonna remember this, okay. but there was a, they did an ad that was like compulsion, and it was about oh, like yes. obsessive compulsive behavior. Yes, yes, yes. Where she's always cleaning. Yes. Let me just see if I can find it really quickly. She was like the air, brittle and easily broken. How could one so perfect be so flawed? Dearest, not now. I'm busy. She was an incandescent angel, dancing on the edge in a ritual that was both innocent and jejun. <laughs> so this is from our real era, like yeah. you and me, when we grew up. This is Phil Hartman. Um, Jan Hooks, which is the name I was trying to think of. Jan Hooks. Dana Carvey. And Dana Carvey is the other voice, so. Yes, she was. A translucent figure, glowing in the light and fire of her overwhelming passion. Save me. Why? I wonder which was the greater transgression, loving her or abiding her immaculate madness. A little club soda will get that out. Liar! She was consumed, obsessed, never able to enjoy her own party. I alone felt her torment, her deepest secrets known only to me. If keeping a clean house is a crime, then let me be guilty. Guilty. 
horrified and crazy. You've got to borrow the uh, keeping and keep, keeping a clean house yes, of crime for spotless. For spotless. Uh, we won't play the whole thing. That's most of it anyway. Um, that is. Fa- I Compulsion forgot about that. By Calvin Klein. That is so fantastic. Uh, all right, you ready to take a quiz? Yeah, quiz all right, time. Let's do this. I'm giving you. All right, these. it's that time i got to ask you to cover up your screen over there so you can't see what I'm yeah. working on. Do you have anything? I'm going to use my WMMS Buzzard Morning Zoo LP again. I am. Okay, good. So go ahead and uh, put that over your computer screen. Now you can't see my screen. And um, here's the deal. I'm calling it the right way to advertise. Do you want me to explain that again? Or do we have it? Is everybody familiar with my cleverness with that title? (laughs) Are we good to go? Um, I'm going to give you, I think, six questions related to real-life famous writers appearing in commercials. Okay, you ready for this first one? Uh, I think so. During the 1970s and 1980s, the legendary crime novelist Mickey Spillane appeared in more than 100 promos for what Product. These are all multiple choice. Okay, good. You look so worried. I'm still <laughs> Genevieve was like a, a good student, so I just had the look of a student <laughs> yeah. who like you didn't know, study for the didn't test. Didn't study for her test. Um, so this is Mickey Spillane. He appeared in tons of commercials for what product? Sunlight laundry detergent, ADT home security, Kellogg's Corn Flakes, or Miller Lite. Uh, what was the first one? First one was laundry detergent, then uh, home security, then cornflakes or Miller Lite beer. Um, I don't really have a good instinct on this one. I think security feels like a little too on the nose, like he's a crime novelist, so security. So I'm going to say... You think your quiz master was getting too too clever? Well, I, I, I could turn out to be wrong. Maybe the ad wizards were uh, were just that clever. Um, I'm going to guess the laundry detergent. You're going to guess the um, uh, sunlight laundry detergent. I have the ad here. I kicked in the door and shouted freeze, the lone figure in the room. Even in the darkness, I could see she was the most beautiful woman I ever met. Then I saw the light beer from Miller. It's got a third less calories than a regular beer, and it's less filling, she whispered. But the best thing is, it tastes so great. Suddenly, all the pieces fell into place, and I knew I'd come to the end of a long, long road. She poured... We drank. I like to be that. Continued. Yeah, it's kind of good, right? I really do like the ad. There's all different uh, kinds. Obviously, there's a lot. So some he's standing out on the street. That was the only one I saw where he's actually behind a typewriter typing in that like very you know tropey noir. Yeah, noir yeah. scene. But I did like that one as well. Also, I'm a Miller Light drinker, so I was putting this together in the middle of the day. And even though it's like kind of an, that was from 1980, I think the one you just heard. And even though it was the middle of the day, I just saw this like. <laughs> Is somewhat like beady bottle of Miller Lite on his uh, writer's desk. And I was like, ooh, that looks good. Yeah, I guess that's how they get you. All right. Okay, um, that was good. I, I mean, so I, far, I didn't so have good. a good instinct okay, for it, but so, I like the commercial. Uh, the best you can get now would be five out of six. Okay. If we're keeping I'm not, track of those I'm things. not feeling especially uh, optimistic about my chances here. You're kind of too crazy. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, question number two, what sci-fi author appeared in commercials for Discover Credit Card? Do you want to take a guess before I give you the options? Because it sounds like you want to jump in here. 
Am I misreading the scene? I, th- I think you're misreading the scene. All right, here are your options. One of these sci-fi authors appeared in commercials for Discover Credit Card, okay? Okay. Philip K. Dick, Kurt Vonnegut, Orson Scott Card, or Isaac Asimov? All right. I'm going to discount Card uh, out of hand because I think he was like a crazy anti-Semite or something. And I don't know. I don't know mm. if that was him, but... Um, Anti-Semites traditionally do not like discover credit card <laughs> well they have a whole thing about money changers okay <laughs> wow we leave it now that who's in? the anti-semite <laughs> right all um, right so that leaves philip k dick kurt vonnegut or isaac asimov like, for discover credit card i feel card. like maybe i have seen i feel like kurt vonnegut maybe did do some um commercials so i'm gonna guess vonnegut kurt vonnegut for discover credit card Let's go to the tape. I've bought two suits of clothes with my Discover card, including a new tuxedo. Tuxedos don't make fashion statements, really. How many credit cards make a statement like that? They get out of the way of women who are making fashion statements. It pays to Discover. Do you recognize the voice? I do not. You are correct. Oh, good. <laughs> that was... I was like, cur- are you going to sell it? <laughs> but isn't that weird? It's like, I, I, I don't know if it was part of a campaign. I couldn't find any others. Uh, actually, that's not true. I found one other, but it was some guy taping it off of his TV, and you could like hear him breathing into his phone. <laughs> I don't want to play it. But it's a very strange format. It seems yeah. like they sat him down and interviewed him, because that somewhat weird statement he made about tuxedos just staying out of the way of women's clothing yeah. um, was definitely him just kind of like, that's like a little, pe- like that's, that doesn't feel like something that was written out for the commercial. It looks like they interviewed him for a while, asked him a yeah. bunch of stuff and had him kind of riff and he had that little, yeah. you know, that seems like a Vonnegut If you had thing. just played that for me and said, who do you think this is? I would have guessed that it was, um, oh, you know, what's his nut? Uh, you know, the prayer home companion. Oh yeah. Garrison. Keeler. I would have guessed it was Garrison. Yeah. Keeler. It's also the type of thing Garrison Keeler would say. Exactly. Um, okay. But you are one for one now. Okay. So you might like Kurt Vonnegut slightly less, just a tiny, tiny bit less. No, love I Kurt love Vonnegut. Kurt Vonnegut. One of, when he died and of course he was a very old man, he didn't, you know, he had a full life, but when he died, it really felt like the world was a smaller place. Mm-hmm. Um, you wrote a um thesis on him. I did. I did. A, I did an undergraduate thesis um uh, about Kurt Vonnegut and John Irving of all people. I was going through something recently. Oh, our, our, I think you actually have a hard copy of that thesis in our filing cabinet because I went through and I was cleaning it out the other day. And I, don't worry, I threw it away. No. Um, and <laughs> probably I know you, the only extant copy of it because yeah. I'm sure it was on a disc that I can no longer access. And you reached out to both authors. I know that you ended up getting an in-person face-to-face with Irving, but yeah. did you end up getting anything back from Vonnegut? No, and Vonnegut was already very old at that point. Yeah. And, and even as famous as Irving was, he wasn't as famous as Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. Um, he's like a legend, Kurt Vonnegut is. Um, okay, so the next question on this quiz, which of the following did Paris Review founder George Plimpton not advertise? Okay. Turns out this dude advertised <laughs> everything. Did you know that? That kind of like aligns with what I, sort of what I vaguely think of him. Mm-hmm. I assume they were all like, Luxury products. I'm picturing like tennis rackets and martini glasses. (laughs) Well, here are your options. Which of the following did he not advertise? Cars, popcorn, video games, or airline tickets? Oh, boy. Three of them feel so specific that I wonder if it's like the cars. 
So car- that he didn't, he, right? You think like, that he didn't like advertise video games, cars? airline tickets, like airline tickets. I have a hard time imagining that you like you dreamed that up. I airline mean, tickets. Yeah. So I'm gonna say it's not airline tickets. Um, popcorn feels equally a little random for a, for you to pick. Um, I want to go with video games. You're gonna guess that he did not advertise. Yeah, no, video I'm changing games. my I'm changing my answer to cars. You you are gonna guess that he did not advertise cars, right? Unfortunately, I do not have a commercial in hand of him advertising Sobs, but he did okay. advertise for Sob. He also, by the way, you type in George Plimpton commercial, you are inundated. Really? He was. He was linked to this video game system called Mattel Intellivision. <laughs> tons and tons of them. Really? And it was, and it was an early um, video game system that uh, was up against Atari. And these ads took... As a matter of fact, uh, can you take a look at your screen now? I don't play this for you because it is hilarious. I could, when I was putting this quiz together, I could already hear your uproarious laughter uh, when he is comparing. This is very visual, but you'll see it, Beavs. He compares the Mattel in television to the Atari, okay? And he's like, which one has better graphics? And they're both so <laughs> laughable. I'll try almost anything. So when Mattel Electronics asked me to compare their Intellivision games with Atari, I gave it a try. I compared Atari baseball with Intellivision and found Intellivision played much more like real baseball. Uh, much then I compared more Atari a strong football statement, George. with Intellivision. Again, Intellivision oh played God. more like the real game. These are like... In my opinion, if you try the both, so there's only minute. one conclusion you can come to. Intellivision from Mattel Electronics. In other ones, he's even more rude to Atari. And oh it is true, God. Atari looks terrible there, but in television, you know, it looks like a 1983 video game of people playing football. And just there's tons and tons and tons and tons of these things. So what else? So was, is it the airline or the popcorn that was oh, wrong? Oh, don't look, don't look, don't look. Where, did you look? No. I just accidentally uh, opened the thing. Um, so you, he did do video games. He did do cars. No popcorn. Read any good uh, microwave popcorns oh. lately? Now this one says it's normal for one to three tablespoons of kernels to remain unpopped. And this one is only recommended for certain wattage microwaves. <laughs> now this one is new Pop Secret from Betty Crocker. Pop Secret works in all microwaves and it pops up beautifully. Yes, so Light, basic, fluffy. George. The next time you want to <laughs> curl up with a good microwave popcorn, make it Pop Secret. The secret I guess he liked money. I I threw airline tickets in there because it seemed like with cars, and I'm sorry I couldn't find one of the Saab commercials, but I have a good authority that he advertised for Saab. I figure like airline tickets sound like it could be luxury, like some sort of like fans. Yeah, and also the idea of buying airline tickets feels very dated. So it was a good pick. Yeah, I was sort of thinking like Jennifer Aniston. I I, I didn't know how to make it a product, but I think, you know, like a, a kind of Jennifer Aniston advertises very fancy airlines right. and so I thought that maybe I could trick you with that one oh, and, and I guess I did I mean video games and popcorn Plimpton yeah, that's crazy yeah, basic. that's way yeah that's like the sob kind of aligns with what I think of as his brand uh-huh. but video games and popcorn is hilarious okay I'm excited about this next one I'm going to play half the commercial for you uh, in advance um, so this is a commercial for Sports Center okay and the concept is that the anchors have a famous writer working in the back room to help them punch up their scripts. Can you tell me what era this is from? 
I'm not sure, but uh, pretty modern. Okay. Pretty modern. Um, and uh, so here, take a, take a listen to the beginning of this. For the most part, we write all our own material. Occasionally, we have to bring in a ghostwriter. I like it. It's good. You like it? Yeah, great. Good. That's it, then. Uh, one thing. Okay. You even got to hear a little bit of the writer's voice That in was there. in the background? That was in the background. That was him. What famous writer was that? John Grisham, Stephen King, Tom Clancy, or James Patterson? By the way, the only reason I didn't include women in here is because you already heard that yeah, it was a man. Right. Um, can you play the little clip for me again? You're going to... No, I can't. What? You're not... This isn't a guess that voice competition. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, who's the most recognizable of those? Um, Clancy, King... Patterson, or who was the other one? Grisham. Grisham. I'll play it for you again if you want to, because yeah. I don't want to be a bad person. For the most part, we write all our own material. Occasionally, we have to bring in a ghostwriter. I like it. It's good. You like it? Yeah, great. Good. That's it, then. Uh, one thing. So it's the guy who said, that's it, then. I don't think it's Stephen King. I think I recognize his voice. Although now I'm not sure. He's the he seems like the most recognizable to me of those four people um, in terms of both just like as a celebrity, uh, although Patterson does those weird ads. I almost used that drop of Patterson. Yeah. Uh, for our show beginning today. Um, do they can I ask in the ad, do they have the is the writer captioned like so you know who it is or are you just supposed to know who it is? I can't remember. I can review it here. I, I understand what you're getting at because, like, is he the type of person who is recognizable? Right. Like, the, I don't think that anyone could, like, necessarily pick Tom Clancy out of a lineup. Maybe Grisham, definitely Stephen King. What the hell? I'll just guess Stephen King because he's the most famous. You're going to guess Stephen King? All right. right. Let's hear the rest of this commercial. I don't think. I know Boston beat New York last night. But I think it was more because of the Red Sox clutch hitting than, than New York's lineup, you know, being possessed by the demon. <laughs> oh, and no players with telekinetic powers either, please. <laughs> Definitely Stephen King. That's great. <laughs> he just keeps on throwing away manuscripts yeah, every time. Yeah, of the those guy four guys, he's the only one, again, Patterson, sort of famous in his own weird way, but he's the one who's the most celebrity like the most visible celebrity of the four. So you're two for four right now. Yes. You can still win. Right. You can at least break even. If it, if you get one of these last two right, you can at least break even. So okay. speaking of Stephen King, in this 1985 commercial for American Express, he name drops one of his book titles. Which one does he name drop? Carrie, Pet Cemetery, Needful Things, or The Shining. It's for American Express. It's for American Express. Okay, I cannot believe it's Needful Things. That is not like I mean, it was obviously everything he writes is a bestseller, but it's not like an iconic one the way the others are. Um, American Express and it's Shining. So if I'm not including Needful Things, it's The Shining, Carrie. And what's the other one? Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. Um. Was it needful things about a store, though? Oh, it was about a store. Are you are you giving me a hint? I don't know. <laughs> um, 
No, don't pick it. It's not needful things. I threw it in there, but I wanted you to at least appreciate my logic for throwing yes, it in see, there. Yes, okay. I see your logic. So it's not needful things. Okay. Um, it feels like maybe The Shining. I think he name drops The Shining. Let's try I will that. tell you what's going on in this, by the way. He is walking around. I guess presumably this is his haunted mansion, but he's kind of wandering around a haunted mansion. It's all dark. There are candelabras, and he is carrying a candle talking to the camera. Do you know me? It's frightening how many novels of suspense I've written. I already forget which one you said he named. I said The Shining. The Shining, okay. Do you know me? It's frightening how many novels of suspense I've written. But still, when I'm not recognized, it just kills me. So instead of saying I wrote Carrie, I carry the American Express card. Without it, isn't life a little scary? Well, it was his first book, I believe. To apply for the it car. was. I was surprised to see that today. Um, I, I looked up because I didn't want to pick, because I know you know Stephen King pretty well, and so I didn't want to pick any um, books that were written after 1985, so I looked up his bibliography, and I was surprised. So Carrie is his very first book, 1973, I want to say, maybe four. Wow, yeah, a long time ago. Very, very early on. Um, okay. Right, so now the best I can do is a tie. The best you can do is break even. You can tie with the quiz master. And luckily, <laughs> this next one is right in your wheelhouse. Okay. It involves William S. Burroughs. Oh, God. <laughs> if you didn't get the Stephen King one, I don't know how you're going to do with uh, William S. Burroughs. But uh, my question for you is, tell me, what is William S. Burroughs hawking in this commercial? What brand? Hey, I'm talking to you. The purpose of technology is not to confuse the brain, but to serve the body. To make life easier. To make anything, anything possible. It's the coming of the new technology. For the purpose of technology is not to confuse the brain, but to serve the body. Okay. Wow. Uh, Your choices are Gatorade, Coke, Nike, or Levi's. Gatorade, Coke... Nike or Levi's? None of them are technology no. companies. <laughs> um, I guess it has like a Nike vibe to me. You think it has a Nike vibe? It is Nike indeed. All right, I tie. It's a bunch of like quick cuts of uh, famous athletes. As a matter of fact, I saw Junior in there really quickly. Um, and also, uh, you got William S. Burroughs, and he's like appearing on a bunch of TVs in a very 90s kind of way. Yeah. Like in my college uh, dorm, I had like three TVs hooked up to like the same VCR, right. like a lot of us did in, when we were alternate kids in the 90s. <laughs> and, uh, and like a lot of that kind of like 90s, he's talking to you, looking yeah. like at the screen, through the screen, at you while people are yeah, doing very, all like, kinds MTV. of like... Yes, very MTV, right. very extreme. So uh, congratulations. <laughs> did get, um, well, you got some bloody eardrums from me playing that too loud, and uh, you did break even on that. Awesome. So, well, that's uh, a good quiz. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations. It's amazing, um, like, that you were able to find, like, like how much overlap there is with sort of the literary world and the commercial world. Yeah, and I was able to do it with the help of one listicle. Thank if you, you <laughs> If you can believe it. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words saying Only the echoes of my mind 
Okay, since we've pushed over into an hour here, um, why don't we um, not do the tagline roundup today? Because I don't want to rush it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, again, I don't care if that goes on forever. So what I want to do instead is let me just play for you a couple of jingles well, that I, people call I have a regret with. the okay. error that I need oh, to do. Oh, you do? Okay, yeah. you go first. Sorry, I didn't know you had something. Um, this is from listener David. Thank you, David. Uh, David posted this on the Facebook page. Um, last week, I said, I, I think I fired uh, from the hip about um, a, we were talking about women in advertising and this sort of uh, a, a trend in advertising that's showing women in very empowering roles and an ad for, um, gosh, who was it? Was it Nike uh, with Serena Williams? Um, yeah, that was part of the Nike campaign because it yeah, was... Dream Crazy. Yes, it was the second in the Dream Crazy campaign. Yeah, and I think I said, I, I knew, I had remembered that there was some mild scandal about Serena Williams getting into a tiff with a with a umpire ref I don't know what you call him in tennis as is very clear I don't know anything Line about judge? tennis yeah but I don't know if that's like the same thing as like the person who sits in the little in the lifeguard chair anyway um, lifeguard <laughs> the tennis life, lifeguard the tennis lifeguard as the tennis lifeguard uh, I knew there had been some kind of thing and that it caught uh, that it uh, it caused there to be some kind of cloud over the win, a win from this other tennis player that who beat her. Um, but I misspoke or I misstated what actually happened. And this is from listener David. While Serena Williams and pretty much all women have faced and continue to face unfair treatment, her loss last September at the U.S. Open was about as opposite as can be from what Genevieve has heard. Ooh, those aren't words. And you I like did not hear. hear that. I made it up. Is more <laughs> accurate. Um, so this is what actually happened. Serena was already losing tonight. And by the way, I should say, I did not bother to fact check this. So <laughs> hopefully David is right. But I saw some other people on the Facebook group like were backing him up. So I, I believe it. Uh, Serena was already losing to Naomi Osaka when the outburst occurred. Serena's coach had been coaching her from the stand, something visible on camera that he admitted to afterwards. I assume that that's not allowed. Uh, it is not because that is the first of the two penalties, uh, which is what gave one of the points mm. to Osaka. The second penalty came from Serena's berating the judge about the first penalty, accusing him of stealing a point from her. So it was sort of like, you know, she piled on to that mm -hmm. and created another another penalty. And I had I think what I had heard was that like having that her kind of yelling at the ref or the judge mm -hmm. is perhaps not ideal tennis behavior, but we've seen so much worse from male tennis players and they sort of get away with it that famously. true see that i don't know i mean you see, know. i can't judge this thing at all i only knew that yeah. there was tons of outrage over it and this is one that i don't want to step in because you know i i don't have any context for this and sometimes the internet does get outraged over things yeah the internet does get outraged but i think it's if not uh if it's not an open and shut case i think it's fair to say that maybe a male uh, competitor would have been judged differently. Who knows? Um, the U.S. Open tournament official, the I guess the judge in question after the game, actually said something along the lines of, "I know this isn't how you were hoping to win," and um, basically praised Serena while barely acknowledging the actual winner. Essentially, like sort of, it was the judge's uh, overstatement of the importance of the penalties. I guess that like made the made Osaka sort of seem like she won it by by accident or by you know was given a a default win um and then before the match ended and during the trophy ceremony the crowd was booing osaka the winner and she actually apologized for winning which is really sad 
Uh, and this is David's final note. So I'm I'm lost as hell here. So apparently, I was saying before, I don't know, the internet gets outraged over everything. No, so this is an open and shut case. The the the, the winner apologized because she felt like it wasn't a fair win either because that second point shouldn't have been awarded to her. From what, the I, second penalty from, from shouldn't what have David's happened. saying, she would have won anyway. Like it wasn't, I don't know what the final score was, but if, if David is correct, then that the penalties wouldn't have mattered enough maybe uh, or... Uh, that Osaka would have won anyway, then why did she apologize? Well, apparently it was just like the, everybody was already outraged, like the crowd was booing her. Hmm, okay. Um, the real tragedy of the match is not that Serena was robbed, she wasn't. It was that another young woman had what should have been an amazing moment of her life winning the U.S. Open, tainted by the behavior of another, and Naomi Osaka has certainly faced her own share of discrimination and difficulty being half Japanese, half Haitian. Um like I said, there's a lot of examples of the poor treatment of women, but on that day, it was Osaka, not Williams, who bore the brunt of it. So, again, it sounds, I mean, there was a lot of press around this, mm-hmm. and there, I think there are probably different takes on it, but I definitely got the facts of it wrong, so my mm-hmm. apologies. Yeah, and I guess if we knew, if I knew that was coming up today, maybe I should have done some reading about it, because all of the questions I have are very easily answered, and probably a lot of our audience who read the newspaper that day yeah. knows what they are, so I just, my I know apologies that, I know that when I like fired from the hip through. last week, I was just saying, like, oh, yeah, she had a match stolen from her, and clearly that is not really what happened. Either way, there's a lot of gray area there. I have two jingles that I want to play for you. Um, of course, if you want to call our voicemail line and sing us a jingle, maybe something that uh, you remember from your childhood or something that is uh, stuck in your head now, call 607-444-5597. 607-444-5597. I got two here. Uh, this is from Chris in Portland. Hey, guys. This is Chris from Portland, and I have a jingle for you. And here it goes. This is one from my childhood. Taking a break at a quarter to three. Just my rice crispy far and me. Sitting in my after school place. Loving that crispy, chewy taste. Chewy, crispy, chewy. Boy, I knew it couldn't last. Oh, they sure go fast. I got the mean crew at the school. Rice crispy, chewy blues. Crispy, chewy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Have a, have a great show. I love it. Bye. I love it. That I, was very, that was rocking. That was very performative. Yes, that was fantastic. I, I couldn't find it. the original. No. Does that ring a bell to you? No. It was kind of getting near the end of the day and I was probably exhausted, but I, I watched 10 and I, I just couldn't find that particular one. I did come across the Rice Krispie Treats was, That was commercial. a pretty good performance, so I don't think we're really missing good. out. Um, you, I did come across one that I did remember where there's like a, a mom and she's in the kitchen and she's reading a romance novel and the kids are yelling from the other room, when are the Rice Krispie Treats going to be done? And this isn't for the prepackaged kind. This is an advertisement for like to buy Rice Krispie yeah. so you can make it. And then the voiceover is like, it's so easy to make that you're going to have too much time. So she's just like eating them and reading her book. And then when it's time to bring them out, she takes a bunch of flour and throws into her face and Uh takes some water from the vase. Does this ring a bell to you? No, uh, maybe faintly. But what I love about it is that it's such a trope in commercials. It's uh, and you know what that means. I'm probably going to do a show about it. (laughs) But uh, there's a whole subgenre of commercials where typically women Mm -hmm. um, are having some in kitchen solution to a thing that like 
they then pretend to have worked hard to have made this homemade thing. Because we only respect women if they worked hard on whatever on the homemade food, thing yes. Mom, Which, are they ready yet? I'm still working on it. Rice Krispies treats are so easy to make, they take no time at all. These things take time. But they taste so good. Your family will think you slaved over them all afternoon. She's mussing up her hair. She's and putting flour that's in her what face. they think. Well, what they don't know won't hurt them. Rice Krispies treats. Honey? Mom, she's doing kabuki theater or something. Um, I think it's interesting that the announcer is careful to call it Rice Krispies treats. Don't you say Rice Krispie treats? Oh, probably. Okay, I have one more I want to play for you. This is adorable. I don't have the links to the original here because I don't think I need them. This is from Danielle and her little buddy. Hi, this is Danielle uh, from Bremerton. I'm trying to have my uh, my two-year-old sing his favorite jingle, which is the Liberty jingle. But like I said, he's two, so who knows if it will work. You sing Liberty, Liberty, Liberty? I don't know if you got that. Uh, maybe you did. If not, then you just heard some whispers. Um, the other one that he likes me to sing to him is the Bon Marche, which I know you've also already had, but Dale, one day Dale. Saturday only at the Bon Marche. One day say hello. Saturday only at the Bon Marche. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, great is Thank that? you. That was so cute. Thanks, Chris and friend. All right. Uh, again, if you want to uh, leave us a, a jingle, it's 607-444-5597. But don't worry. We'll probably remind you of that again in like two seconds. You can sell anything. You can sell anything. Hey, Genevieve, what's the number that people could call us if they wanted to leave us a jingle? You could call us at 607-444-5597. Hey, I also wanted to give a belated shout-out to Deadbeat Film Society. If you listened two weeks ago, uh, you heard Emily and Kevin on our show doing... uh, We did a show about the previews or the trailers for the Oscar-nominated movies. Uh, They returned the favor and had us on this week uh, to talk about the Best Picture winner, which, of course, was uh, the one we all didn't want to talk about, Green Book. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to hear a savage green book, uh, please check out or even or, or go just go listen to their podcast. Uh, go listen to Deadbeat Film Society. It's four words uh, and you can find it wherever podcasts are found. Yeah, it was a really, really good time. We had a great time. And no, I was actually under the weather, so I didn't talk that much. Don't worry about that. But Genevieve was delightful. I talked always, a lot. And uh, Emily and Kevin are simply the best. So check it out again. Deadbeat Film Society. Are we still on Facebook? We are still on Facebook. I still, obviously, I go check it out because if I get something wrong, I will find it there. Uh, when you post about it, you can find us at that group. Uh, please come and join. And you can email us at After These Messages Show at Gmail. All right, cool. Thanks, Vives. And Thank uh, the rest of you guys, we will talk to you next Tuesday. Red Octagons couldn't stop me. I burn headband, my eyes all droopy. I have gooey foodie, zoobies in my poopy.